Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Want more control over your life? You need more control over your money. Hi, I'm Jean Chatsky, and that's why I started the Her Money Podcast. From understanding your money personality to taking steps to earn more, spend wisely, invest for tomorrow, and protect it all, I can help you get there. So join me. Subscribe to Her Money with Jean Chatsky wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing highly sensitive people and the guru of illness. Hi, y'all. I'm sick. You might hear it in my voice. I'm getting over a head cold. And I want to share with you some struggles that are common for highly sensitive people when we get sick. I'm calling this episode Highly Sensitive People and the Guru of Illness. And a guru is simply a teacher. And I'm a believer that we don't so much need to go seek out a person as a guru. Life itself is the guru. Every single experience that we have, if we pick up a lens of life as the guru, we get to use that life experience as a teacher. So illness for this episode is the guru. It's our teacher. This is the third time that I've been sick since Christmas when I had COVID, and two of the three illnesses I've had this year have just kicked my ass for an entire month. And I know that many of you are in the same boat, and these are long-arm consequences from two years of limited human contact during lockdowns because a human immune system needs constant interaction with bacteria and viruses to keep immune system muscles strong. And when we don't get that strengthening day in and day out from interacting with each other, our immune system is weakened. Just like if we are a weightlifter with big, strong muscles and we stop lifting weights, our muscles lose strength. Our daily human interactions and our earthly germs are important weight training for our immune systems to grow strong. So as all of us as a human tribe, as we reintegrate human beings with other human beings post-COVID lockdowns, whether the human tribe is conscious and aware of it or not, this is sort of the time when we're going back to the gym after a long hiatus. Every parent sees what I'm talking about proven in their children. When children first go to daycare or to school, we know as human beings that the kids are going to get sick because of exposure. 
and that this is necessary exposure for immune system building and health. So in a way, we're all sort of in the same boat. Our immune systems were clean slated, kind of like a new baby. And now we're all toddlers again, going to school for the first time together, and we're getting sick a lot. So I thought I would use the fact that I'm sick again, and many of you are too, to talk about these struggles and allow illness to be a teacher. So here's the first big struggle I want to name. As highly sensitive people, when we get sick, we tend to feel a lot of frustration and a lot of anger and a lot of self-pity. Now, what fuels these feelings? Well, I think just in general, for the average person, even the non-HSP, it's just frustrating, right? And we get angry. Our human egos don't like when we get sick because illness takes over our lives. We feel powerless. We didn't choose to get sick. That sickness chose us, and we didn't have any say about it. We have to put our tasks and our projects on hold to tend to our illness, to let our bodies rest. And whatever cootie we are dealing with, we have to let it run its course. We just don't have control over it in the way that our egos would like or might even expect. Illness winds up meaning in this way a certain amount of surrender. It sort of forces us to let go of our own ego's expectations to be able to do all the things. Our egos resist that surrender. For highly sensitive people, we tend to have an added layer. It's not just that we're highly sensitive, so we tend to feel just more and more deeply. We also tend to feel behind as a tribe. And by behind, I mean, we often feel like we're lagging in life. We're not where we expected ourselves to be. We're often annoyed, angry, frustrated, and grieving loss of time and energy and money and productivity due to the reality that we are deep people. And that means we have a lot to process more than the average person. And that process takes time and energy and money. And if we add a traumatic childhood on top of our high sensitivity, then we also have experienced betrayal and trust issues and abuse and neglect So we have even more to sort, to process, to let go of dysfunctional learning and learn new, healthier processing and learning, coping skills. And all of that takes time and energy and yes, money to pay for therapy or supplements or physical chiropractic if we carry physical pain as a childhood trauma response. And our inner child goes, that's not fair. We shouldn't have to do that. So in healing, it is a natural part of the process to resent the hell out of this reality, that it seems to take more for us to process and move through life. And getting sick feels like a cruel, mean trick that the universe is conspiring against us to hold us back and never let us get ahead. This is how we start to go into that self-pity on top of the frustration and the anger. And it's not useful, but it's a common, easy process to slip into to be on that pity pot. So here are my tips about how to manage this. Well, we've got to get off the pity pot, y'all. 
And we have to get off the pity pot and the drama that the pity pot loves and practice acceptance of what is. When we aren't in acceptance, we are kind of in drama. And if that's a new idea, it might be one to sit with. Process is different than drama. And if we come from dysfunctional homes, there tends to be a lot of unnecessary drama. And so we learn drama versus effective coping. So we don't want to activate ourselves in terms of fighting ourselves and fighting the fact that our body is working on an illness. That fight becomes an unnecessary drama that wastes our energy. Not only is it unnecessary, it's not useful. It's a resistance that brings on more drama. It's a waste of precious energy. It's actually mean, unkind to your own body to be frustrated, annoyed, angry at the fact that you're having to deal with an illness because your body is working very, very hard to heal and process the contagion that you caught. We do well to focus on and practicing being reasonable and grounded with expectations. It is on each of us to stop the damn near delusional expectation that we're going to be operating as if we're well and healthy when we're not. Do you hear how that's unnecessary drama, even though it might be a really, really, really common way of being? Oh my goodness, I'm so sick. I hate it. I can't stand. Like we, we're burning up energy when we do that. Shoulds are irrational. Here are some examples. I shouldn't be sick. Well, people get sick. It's natural for us to get sick. Here's another should. No child should ever go hungry. Well, many are hungry. It's a reality of what's happening in the world and always has been a reality. Here's another should. Politicians should be honest. Ha! Politicians often aren't honest. I should be able to feel safe everywhere I go. This is a very popular should right now. In every environment, I should be able to feel safe. That is my right. That is a should that is being taught and spread right now. Being alive is risky and dealing with feeling unsafe is required to have a good life. It's part of being alive. It's the reality. People should work on mental health more. The reality is that the average modern person isn't interested in working on mental health. And I am, and that makes me different. In healing, we learn to deal with what is versus what should be. And this is how we learn to stop shooting on ourselves and shooting on life so that we can actually use our energy to work with what is. And that's part of what moves our lives forward. HSPs who stick with shooting tend to feel very, very stuck. Here is some healthy self-talk that I use myself when I get sick. And it's a practice, you guys. And every time I get sick, I have to come back to practicing it. So here it is. Yeah, 
I shouldn't be sick again. This is a bit of acknowledgement. We want to acknowledge and then shift quickly, not get mired down. So, yep, I shouldn't be sick again. But I am. I don't want to be. But the best I can do to speed my healing is be patient and peaceful so that my body can use its energy to recover as quickly as possible. I surrender to this illness. I will even allow myself to enjoy this restorative downtime that the universe has conspired to give me through this illness. And despite the crud making me feel icky, I'm going to try to be peaceful. It's okay and right to let go of any and all expectations to show up in my life as if I have a healthy body when my body is sick. I love myself when I'm physically strong and I love myself when I'm physically sick. My worth is unchangeable. My worth has nothing to do with my productivity. Life will wait because it has to. I am important and I prioritize my healing to the best of my ability and my best changes moment to moment. Bonus points for you if you're picking up that I'm sneaking in one of the four agreements, our best changes day to day. Here's the other dynamic around sickness that has the potential to be a really strong teacher in our lives. There seems to be what I can call a tragic cluelessness of mind and body connection. And this took me years and years to figure out. I hope it helps you take care of yourself in the future and puts words to something that is hard to put words to. So let me try to break this down. When my body catches an airborne contagion, I can't consciously know that I caught it till a tangible symptom shows up, like sneezing, snotting, coughing, vomiting. The unmistakable signs that scream from body to mind, you're 100% sick. Yep, this is what's going on. Typically for airborne contagions, it takes about three days to work on the body long enough for those concrete symptoms to show up. And this is our body's immune system being affected and fighting during this three-day-ish period. So stuff is going on in the body once that contagion enters and the immune response gets activated. It's our natural biological self-care, y'all. We often talk about emotional self-care. But this is our natural biological self-care. And y'all, it happens automatically. We don't have to hit a button. We don't have to stand on our head to turn on our immune response. It happens and we don't even know that it's happening until those symptoms emerge. And it's happening as one of the miracles of how our bodies work. This is what I have observed for many years in myself and other empaths and highly sensitive people. We tend to drive ourselves absolutely batty during this three-day period where the body is starting its contagion fight. Because when that contagion hits the immune system, our system fights. It's attacking. 
the body. It's getting tired. It's working hard. It's getting knocked down by that bug, that contagion, that virus, that bacteria. It gets fatigued and it gets suppressed. It gets depressed. It's working so hard. So as a tribe, highly sensitive people, we are a deeply feeling and sometimes moody tribe. This is just the type of creature we are. So when our immune system is working so hard and our immune system is kicked down and depressed, depressed, which means pressed down like an ear, nose, and throat doctor uses a tongue depressor, depression, depressor, to press down on the tongue to look at the throat, the contagion depresses our immune system as it fights. So guess what else happens? Our mood parallels this process and feels knocked down, depressed. This is what I mean by a tragic cluelessness of mind-body connection. I'll speak in I statements to teach this concept. Our self-talk during this three-day window where the illness is building in our body and our body is trying to fight that illness, they're having a little war inside of our body. Our self-talk says, oh, I feel down. Something feels off. I don't feel right. Why am I feeling like this? What's wrong with me? I don't have a reason to feel like this. Uh, It's always something with me. I never have energy. I'm so behind in life. I just want to get ahead. I'm never going to kick this. The overthinking kicks in. Our anxiety spikes because we're basically criticizing ourselves for what we're feeling because we can't figure out the why about why we're feeling this way. This is how the physical depression of the immune system and the body working out that contagion creeps into our mood and then creeps into our self-talk. And since we're healing critical self-talk, our go-to is we become critical about feeling what we're feeling. I shouldn't be feeling this. Then our inner child, our inner psyche, starts to feel that old familiar anxiety and depression from that critical voice. And this starts to happen in our mood while our body is having a hard time. There's a catch-22 in process that highly sensitive people tend to fall into. So as our self-talk is rolling out the way that it rolls out and the way I'm describing, our anxiety builds Because the self-messaging is basically, I'm doing something wrong because I feel off. If I was doing the right things the right way, I would feel right. Therefore, I am wrong. And I'm going to use this as proof that I am so broken. I am so unrepairably broken and screwed up. Shame, shame on me. Down, down, down on self. And this becomes a self-torture from the critical voice, the overthinking that the critical voice inspires, burning up precious energy while the body is trying to use its precious energy to fight that contagion. And I have done it myself and witnessed so many sensitive people giving themselves this specific type of hard time internally 
during this window of becoming sick. It's only when those tangible sick proving symptoms show up that we start to release or relieve ourselves from this self-torture. To manage this, we have to get smarter than this trapping dynamic and learn how to offer ourselves something like this if we want more peace, more ease, more self-respect, and more healing kindness for ourselves from ourselves all the days of our life, but particularly in these moments where we feel down and we don't know clearly why or where it's coming from or what's sparking or stoking it. So what I want to offer is that the next time that you feel a wave of anxiety or depression or darker self-talk that seems misplaced, especially when it's out of the blue or feels like it's out of left field and you don't easily, easily have the reason for the feelings because we can start to accept that we're good observers. We can start to trust that about ourselves. And most of the time, we really do know why we felt a kick to our mood or a spike in anxiety. Maybe it's because we spent time with an energy vampire. Maybe we had a really crappy review with a boss. Maybe we just got stuck in traffic or we're hormonally cranky. We can often figure these things out. We can see them. We don't have to look under every rock in the forest. They're just there. So when you don't see why, when you don't have that explanation, that answer that your ego wants, consider this self-talk instead of old, familiar, hole-digging self-talk. Okay. When my mood shifts downward for no apparent reason, for now, I can settle on, I might be getting sick as the answer that my ego so wants. Let me rest, slow down, eat well, and be very good to myself. Let me just surrender to feeling crappy for a bit, trusting that like all feelings and seasons, it'll surely shift. I can be doing all the things right and still feel kind of crappy. I can surrender to that too. All moments pass. Basically, what I'm trying to teach and show you and give to you is a practice of allowing the feelings without connecting to a story of how you must be failing or wrong. We are traveling this lifetime in very complex mind, bodies, and spirits And we're interacting and relating to a countless number of other people and dynamics in their complexity, in their psychology, their minds, their bodies, modern stresses, a big part of internalizing healing, getting it out of the head into the heart center, into heart knowledge and into the body so that you can actually feel the relief that you want to feel is in starting to allow that the natural spectrum of feeling is in part the uncomfortable feelings. And it doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong necessarily. 
It just means that you're alive sometimes and it's uncomfortable. Can we just allow ourselves to go, wow, I don't like how I'm feeling right now. It's uncomfortable. Trusting that it will shift instead of creating that self-talk drama of what if, why, where, a billion questions just to soothe the part of our ego that wants the control of knowing what the thing is because we're not going to be able to have the kind of knowing that the ego wants and expects and sometimes feels entitled to. It's why we say people with an entitlement problem have an ego problem. You, me, all of us, we have the opportunity to use those strange waves of down feelings from out of nowhere to invite more practice of self-kindness, of being with ourselves, of practicing presence, of letting go of desperation or pressure. This has helped me, this, this mind shift has helped me and many others I've worked with flow more with what we can't control flow more with what we don't like about certain moments of being alive, like the unknowns and the illnesses we can't prevent or escape despite our best efforts. An illness like a cold, a flu, a stomach bug might just be, if we allow it to be, fantastic gurus for teaching us how to go with the flow, how to surrender to what we can't control. How to grow stronger in allowing flow within the unknown versus that ego's obsession with needing to know. We get to know when we know and not a moment sooner. There's such an available piece to letting ourselves be kind and supportive, especially during the moments of our lives when we don't know. This is even more important because of this reality I didn't realize till living with my now husband Chris and producer of the show. My husband, he has a stronger immune system than I do. Now, how do, how do we know this? Well, the entire time we have been together, every time I have gotten sick, and I do mean every time, Chris has either gotten sick himself for a glaring fraction of the time that I have. Something can knock me out for a month, and I'm not kidding, he's sick for 24 hours. And absolutely back in action very, very quickly. Very often, he reports just a little tickle of a cough or a little tiny slight headache or a, a slight little tight tightness in the chest or a stomach cramp. He's over there having a little stomach cramp while I'm vomiting what feels like everything I've ever eaten since the beginning of time. Without my full-blown symptoms, presenting and showing themselves to me and him, often Chris wouldn't even register that his body had caught a contagion and was in the process of fighting it because his immune system is so strong and robust that he doesn't express that full illness symptomology like I do. So the implication for us as highly sensitive people is that sometimes our bodies may feel depressed and anxious because of this immune response, because of this body fighting off whatever random contagion. And we might never, ever, ever, ever have the confirmation of those full-blown illness symptoms manifesting. So I've wondered for me and many of my clients over the years after being with Chris, I wonder how many times 
we're overthinking and overprocessing and trying to figure out what's going on when actually what might just be going on is our body's fighting some kind of little bug, but we'll never know. Sometimes questions are more important than answers. So in summary, I'm going to end this episode with questions. Maybe sit with some of these questions if they resonate with you. Maybe pull out a journal. Are you willing to let go of the self-torture of trying to figure out the why of random waves of depression or anxiety or any down feeling? Are you willing to consider that your mood may be responding to a bodily process versus an emotional trigger? What might happen if you worked on accepting that you don't have to try to figure yourself out so hard? Crunching in your mind, chewing and chewing in your mind, using so much energy. What might happen if you worked on trusting that most of the time, if it's an external trigger, you see it, you sense it, you name it, you know it. What might happen if you allowed this practice of allowing and supporting versus figuring, thinking, or self-critically shaming, obsessing, and letting the ego drive your self-talk? I hope there's something in this episode that helps you understand yourself with more depth and hold yourself with more respect and care, more ease, more peace, especially if you were healing from a dysfunctional childhood. I believe for you, even if you don't believe it for you, that you deserve, you are worthy to learn how to have more peace and more ease the kind of peace and ease and joy and happiness that we want every little baby, every little toddler, every sweet little elementary school kid we've ever seen to experience. We can look at any random child and see very clearly, of course, they deserve that. Well, you do too. And if you didn't get it as a kid, I hope that I'm able to represent an example that healing is possible and that you really can give peace to yourself, even if you've never known it. The next live stream topic, inspired by what I'm calling the newest medical trend of let's medicate everyone for ADD, is focus and attention. So come join at Patreon to ask me any question you have about focus and attention as a highly sensitive person, as someone healing childhood trauma. I'm excited to announce the winner of our Patreon Pay It Forward. You might not know, but one of the things that we do at Patreon is we pay 10% forward. Not one, not two, not 3%, not a percentage after we account for expenses, a full 10% of everything that comes in at Patreon, we pay it forward. And we've paid it forward since the beginning to many different organizations over the years sometimes individuals who are struggling. And I've always chosen it. This time was the first time that I gave that to our Patreon members. And you guys got to vote between the two organizations, Let Grow, which is a fantastic organization that is working with schools and educators to really grow personal responsibility, self-worth, and self-esteem through experience in children, something that is so needed right now, and raising men and women, long care service. Now, I know that sounds a little strange. It's a long care service. How is that an organization that takes donations? 
But what raising men and women long care service does is it challenges children to serve in their community. Single moms, the elderly, people who are ill, people who are really in need to do lawns, to mow their lawns, to connect. This gives kids skills like reaching out, a sense of community, a sense of purpose, a sense of generosity and giving back, taking care of each other, little entrepreneurial spirit. So find out more about each of those organizations if you're interested. They're both fantastic. And the winner, it was close for a little while, but about 60-40 was the split. The winner is Raising Men and Women Long Care Service. And you're hearing me tear up in part because I'm sick, which I just explained makes us more emotional (laughs) and a little more raw because it's the biggest gift we've ever been able to give. We're giving $2,300 to Raising Men and Women Lawn Care Service. Many years before doing the show, I would just repeat over and over again that I wanted to get to a place in my life where... I could give, I could be generous, I could donate. And the reason that I can do this is because of you at Patreon. So this isn't me doing this. This is all of us doing this. There is such a butterfly effect, you guys, when we take our energy and we just put it towards what is good, what is in the light. And when we work to heal ourselves, there is this butterfly effect. I very much believe that when we do the work to heal ourselves, to grow ourselves. We are doing the work to heal the world one person at a time. Thank you, Patreon, for helping all of us give this gift to raising men and women lawn care service. Let grow. I want you to know that you'll be the very next recipient. If you want to be able to be a part of donating to the next Pay It Forward Come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. When you're there, you're going to get all of the content that we have been putting there for you exclusively there. It's nowhere else. It's not on our website. You can't get it anywhere else. You can't find it on your iTunes feed. There are over 50 episodes. And in that community, it's a little smaller. It's a little cozier. I sometimes go a little deeper, even a little more into some of my story. If you want those episodes, you get them absolutely instantly. You get every live stream that we've ever done. You get access to all of them. They're archived. They're waiting for you. And you will immediately be able to participate in the next live stream topic of focus and attention, asking anything that you want. And I mean anything. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets Mindful light and love. And I'll see you right here next time with a brand new episode. Bye-bye.